Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Don Bray. This is the Inside Alberta podcast, and I'm with Chris Varco, our business, uh, politics, uh, just about everything columnist. And uh, we've had a lot of emotion in this province in the past week coming out of that crazy weekend in Montreal, a crazy meeting last week in Montreal with Premier Francois Legault of Quebec suddenly saying, we don't want Alberta's dirty oil. And then, lo and behold, the very next or two days later on Sunday evening, the feds released their latest equalization numbers uh, that show that Quebec's getting another $1.4 billion uh, from uh, the equalization program, and they're all the way up to $13 billion now. They get like two-thirds of the whole equalization pot. Now, for Legault to throw that into the middle of this thing was the typically Quebec premier. Quebec premiers for generations, ever since René Levesque and before, have, have loved to throw a monkey wrench into the national psyche sometimes, uh, some little wedge that will divide them from Canada and the rest of us from ourselves. That was one of the most spectacularly successful ones I've ever seen from his point of view, but it certainly ramped up emotions and I think really made a lot of people in the oil patch very upset. Temperatures are hot, Don. I think that's a really uh, the way that I would frame it, talking to people in the energy industry this week. People are upset. This looks like a little bit of kerosene being tossed onto a fire, or maybe more appropriately, some salt rubbed into the wounds of people in Alberta, uh, people in Alberta who are frustrated, who can't get their products to market, who can't get uh, the capital investment that they want to see, who are seeing jobs disappear, we're seeing layoffs being announced, and it just seems like somebody is coming along and rubbing salt in the wounds of, of a province which right now needs a little bit of understanding and assistance from the rest of Canada. Yeah, well, uh, Jim Gray, you were saying, Jim Gray himself was the most equitable guy imaginable and the most Canadian of oil patch people, you can imagine. He he had some comments to you about that as well, didn't he? Absolutely. Jim Gray, of course, is the legendary oil man. He's a member of the Canadian Business Hall of Fame, the Canadian Petroleum Hall of Fame. He co-founded um, you know, an, uh, an energy company which was successful in the 70s and 80s, and he saw the red-hot fire of uh, Western alienation in the 1980s yeah. during the National Energy Program days. And he sees some similarities. Uh, he says the anger is there. The frustration is growing. And, and in some ways, it's more protracted because this is dragging on for so long, these problems about pipelines and, and some broader issues which are affecting the industry, like technological changes, which are really you know, yeah. uh, progressing and evolving the industry in a completely different way. And he, after hearing Legault's comments, said, you know, it's just rank hypocrisy to say that we don't want your dirty energy. That was uh, the Premier Legault's comments. We don't want Alberta's dirty energy but they are prepared to take equalization payments, which are funded in part by the wealth that's created by the energy industry in this province. So he, he's upset, and, and I think rightfully so, on the behalf of many Albertans. You know, the, and people in this province have been upset and angry, and many people are, but this amped it to a new level, and all of a sudden we're starting to hear 
talk of separatism again. Mm-hmm. Now, they, to a lot of people outside, they say, yeah, you know, well, how could they possibly think of anything like that? They don't have a port. They know that Alberta's in the middle of the country. How do you possibly separate? But I can tell you, I went through that stuff that Jim Gray went through back in the early 80s, and it was really ugly. Uh, the Western Canada Concept Party in the 1982 provincial election won 12% of the vote. It won almost as much of the vote as Premier Notley's dad's NDP did back then. The, this can get serious, and it, had to, it has to be treated very seriously. It has to be treated delicately. The rest of the country, you know, what I'm kind of concerned about is I think that Notley has gained a lot of sympathy for Alberta with a lot of her speeches explaining the economic situation and saying, we, but now the rhetoric of her rhetoric, mm-hmm. talking about Alberta being held hostage, is amping up, as, as is Jason Kenney's, and it, this can flip. The rest of Canada can suddenly decide they're sick of this. Uh, you know, can't speak for all the rest of Canada or for all people, but, but it can easily turn over into kind of we've heard enough from Alberta and all the whining, and, and she could lose that audience that she's been trying so hard to build. I think she's also playing with a little bit of political nitroglycerin here. When yeah. you talk about other parts of the country holding Alberta hostage, you're going to get a response from outside of Canada, but you're going to get a response back in Alberta as well. And you're yeah. seeing that. And I think both she and Jason Kenney and other politicians in this province have a responsibility to, yes, speak up on the behalf of these issues, which are so vitally important, but to do so in a responsible and constructive way. And I think that's really where the onus now lies on them. Yeah. Political realm. Well, she's doing, and, and it for, came out for the first time just this week. Uh, she says, well, I understand I'm frustrated too. I'm as frustrated as you are. That's exactly the line that Peter Lawley took back in 1981 and 82. He said, I understand you separatist folks, if people are talking about it. I understand exactly how you feel. I'm as mad as you are. And then he said, and we're, we're just going to fight like hell. That's the prescription. You, you try to win, gain the wind, you try to get the pipeline, you keep doing that and hope that you can contain this kind of sentiment uh, without going too far with it. But the, the secret was that Law had succeeded. He yes. did win what he needed from Ottawa to tame that and calm it down. I, I, maybe, I, I don't think I make too much of this. I think there's a potential for it to be even more serious than it was last time. You only need to look at social media, and I, you're getting the, the tweets, and I am getting them as well, and I get responses every day from people who yeah. are openly advocating for separation, that they think that we're getting a raw deal. Now, I'm just going to point out I disagree that I don't believe separatism is the answer, and neither does Jim Gray, and I think most people don't. But to pretend like that response is not growing in this province would be demonstrably false. So, Don, what do you think about the separatism sentiment that we are hearing in Alberta? Well, I understand it. Like everybody else, we know what people are saying. Uh, as for the practicality of it, it's just always been very difficult to imagine. I mean, if there's any province in this country that's ideally situated as separated, it's British Columbia. They've got the, they got the ocean, they've got the mountains, they've got the, uh, everything they need to be a country, actually, to be a small but we don't. We don't have. That's the whole problem. We're we're trying to gain access to be part of this country, let alone become our own country. So it's not a practical thing. But what it can lead to, perhaps, is a restructuring of Canada. Is a rebuilding of the relationship. Alberta is an extremely important part of Canada, and it is just possible that maybe enough pressure from this direction can force the rest of Canada or the federal government into renegotiating terms of things like equalization and other matters that that Alberta needs. 
And then you've got, you know, people are speaking out, like Brett Wilson has kind of put himself out as the front man for this. He says, basically, reform confederation, if we don't reform confederation, leave. Now, he's got almost 180,000 Twitter followers. That guy's got more than either Jason Kenney or, or uh, Rachel Notley. Um, and he, he does have a voice. Some people are finding an increasingly erratic voice. He's also talked about some other things that maybe shouldn't happen, like hanging environmentalists. Um, but, but, you know, he gets a lot of attention, and that kind of feeling is going somewhere. But I also, I think that there's unlikely to be any kind of party form, uh, at least not before the next election, because um, a lot of these folks want Jason Kenney to win. They don't want him facing more right. competition, right? Yeah. And now that obviously takes us to, again, the intersection of politics and yeah. energy, and we just can't seem to get away from that uh, in, in the last couple of years. We saw this week the province's curtailment strategy continues to seem to work. The differential has now shrunk down to $12 a barrel. It's sitting at 50 yeah. less than two months ago. Um, so that seems to be having some effect, but we're still seeing companies come out and cutting their capital budgets. We saw Athabasca Oil Sands, or Athabasca Oil rather, say they're going to cut 25% of their head office staff this week. So those consequences are there. And then we saw this week as well the Premier continue to talk about energy with a new refining policy where she wants yeah. to what do you think of that that sounded like the vaguest of the vague <laughs> to me that i i think there was the lack of details i think was very telling and the timing of it is also telling so what yeah. she wants to do is a bit of context is she's asking for expressions of interest from the private sector to come up with proposals to build new refineries or to expand existing refineries in the province and increase the refining capability of the province they want expressions of interest don by february the 8th Geez, is there something coming up in the springtime, maybe an election that might be motivating some of these timelines? And they're not saying how much money they'd be prepared to put into it or in what form they might put into it or what kind of incentives. And it also neglects the, the biggest fact of all, and I was talking to an energy expert who pointed this out, we already produce a lot of refined petroleum products in this province and we export it. How are we going to export more of these products without pipelines? So we're right back to where we started from, which is we need pipelines in this yeah, province. Yeah, you get a sense of some of the things she's proposing. There's a desperation there. When I saw that uh, announcement, I thought, uh, the, my experience is the more ministers at a news conference like that, the less substance there's going to be. And she had three. So that's sort of a <laughs> middle, low substance one. Um, and and they're trying desperately to keep the agenda, to keep keep people feeling like the government is able to move the ball here, you know, with the the rail cars and all the and the constraint and all the rest of it. Where do you keep going? I mean, if anything happened on the front of that refinery, how long would it be, Chris? Five years, ten years before it was actually built? You know, we were talking about the Sturgeon refinery, that which is the one that's just being completed now. That was proposed by Ed Stelmack. Yeah. Was that Don? Five premiers ago. Um, you know, in the late nine, <laughs> in the in the late twenty tens, two thousand and nine, yeah. two thousand and ten period, it's still being built. So any oil refinery, if somebody was prepared to build, it would be you know five to 10 years away yeah. at best. Yeah. Well, I guess that's inside Alberta for this week. We will have a jolly Christmas podcast before we're done. We will. We'll bring a couple of reindeer into the studio here and, and uh, maybe we'll do an upbeat one, right? But it's kind of hard these days, but we'll give it our best shot next time. Sounds good. Bye.